if you'd like to turn in your Bibles to the scripture, we're going to begin in Matthew chapter 13. We're going to be there for just a moment. The preparation for this message was a little bit unusual because as I have shared with you before, the most typical thing is that early in the week, there will be a word spoken and an anointing on that word so that I will throughout the week know what God is asking the message to be. And my heart begins to mold around that anointing, around that word. This week, I'm not sure if it was just because of the hectic nature of it. When Jan and I were going to uh, Austin last Sunday afternoon, we were just east of Brady and hit a deer. We were both fine. The deer wasn't so good. The dusk and the headlights weren't doing a whole lot of good. And so uh, we've got some car repair to do. The worst injury came, however, when we were on our way back, right in that same stretch, right before we got to Brady. uh, And I got a speeding ticket. Oh yeah, it is. Feeding ticket for going 63 miles an hour. So that was hard for me to get over. I have disliked things that are unfair and unjust uh, since I became judge here many, many years ago. Had to deal with things there and it just doesn't sit well with me. But it took a couple of days for me to get over that. Uh, Thursday was very busy, just some things that have to be done. So it's been a very busy week and realizing through the week, Lord, I'm not hearing what you're going to have me to, to discuss this morning. And so yesterday morning, it became quite urgent. Okay, Lord, you know, I need to hear something. We could just come and go home after the music. I was going to wait to see if I got a reaction there. and I, <laughs> See if I got any amens or anything. But uh, they do pay me to preach. So I guess, Lord, we need to do something. So I, I began to ask him, Lord, what is the most urgent thing? Because I don't know the urgency. I, I could not begin to tell you what's the most important thing that I need to preach on any given day. So I began to ask him, Lord, what is the most urgent thing that you need for me to share this morning with the people who are going together? And so this was the answer to that question. Just as an introduction, I'll begin with Matthew chapter 13, verse 9. But Jesus has begun teaching in Matthew 13, and he gives these parables. He gives the parable of the sower and the seed and all the different types of soil that the seed fall on. And then this announcement in Matthew 13, verse 9, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. And the disciples came and said unto him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? And he answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it is not given. I want us to understand something very simply that when Jesus said, let those who have ears to hear, let them hear. He wasn't making an announcement trying to get everyone to listen. He wasn't making this appeal that everybody in front of him would pay attention and hear what he had to say. It becomes very evident in his explanation that that is not what he was doing because he begins to create this difference and we see this difference. And we recognize that what he was actually saying was, those of you who were here, who have spiritual ears, let him hear. Because you are going to understand, even in the nature of the parables, these strange illustrations, you're going to understand the deeper and more significant truth. Not because you can listen with your physical ears, but because you have the capability to listen with your spiritual ears. He spoke in the parables largely because, as he revealed the truth, Those who understood it would grow and be profoundly changed. 
Those who didn't have the spiritual ears are going to hear this story and say, I don't get it. If Jesus had said, had been very pointed in his teaching, yes, some would have got it, but he would have angered everyone else. The parable, the ones who could get it, got it. The ones who didn't, didn't feel anything. The conviction or guilt or shame or anything else. So Jesus was very significant in his statement. If you have ears to hear, spiritual ears to hear, hear me. Then he makes this statement. It was given for you, his disciples, for those who have these spiritual ears. It was given for you to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Again, such a profound statement because he's saying, if you have spiritual ears, I'm going to show you mystery. I'm going to show you things that nobody's ever seen before. The word mystery here is not magic. The word mystery is something that was always there, but nobody has seen before. So he's simply saying, if you have spiritual ears, I'm going to show you unbelievable mysteries that are related to the kingdom life. And I want to tell you today, ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls, we also need to have those spiritual ears because many of us have missed those mysteries. And because we missed the mystery of of this teaching, because that we missed it, we have lived lives, as Paul describes in Galatians chapter 4, he said, when the fullness of time came, we were to leave the elementary things of life. What did we teach children in elementary school? If you do good, you get a reward. If you do bad, you get punished. And the Holy Spirit is saying through Paul, that is no longer correct. That is not our teaching. If you don't understand the mysteries of the kingdom, you're going to be left with that. If I do good, God loves me. If I do bad, he doesn't. And I want to tell you, that's a tough way to live the Christian life. Somehow believing that he's got this measuring stick, always measuring us to see if he's pleased with us or displeased with us. And God is saying in in Galatians chapter 4, that is no longer true. You are not servants being measured on a tape measure to see how well you're doing. You are a child. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're the child of the king. I want to tell you, when we begin to get that, understand those mysteries, life will change. But we can't get them until we understand how to have these spiritual ears that Jesus was talking about in Matthew chapter 13. I want to talk to you just briefly. This isn't the message. I don't want to get your hopes up when you hear me say the last one that I'm somewhere near finished. I want to talk to you a little bit about these mysteries that we've been missing. And the list is really too long for me to go through, but I want to give you an example of the mysteries that we miss if we don't have these spiritual ears. And I'm not going to read these scriptures. I'm going to give you the reference. Colossians chapter one says this mystery is Christ in us, the hope of glory. I want to tell you when he said that, he said, I want to, I want to tell you something that's never been seen before, never been known before. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. He says, I'm going to show you something that you've never seen. I want to uncover something that you've never known before. This great piece of mystery, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Why in the Old Testament could Christ not come live in us? You see, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit had to come upon them and speak to them as an external voice. Why couldn't the Holy Spirit come and indwell them like he's come to indwell us? What's the answer? We had to be clean first because in the Old Testament, 
Hebrews tells us that the blood of the lambs, the blood of the bull, was not an adequate sacrifice to fully take away my sin. So we would have been asking the Holy Spirit to come and indwell something that was not yet perfectly clean. But when Jesus came and his blood was shed, that sacrifice was made. Then this sin that was in my life was perfectly dealt with. And now because my sin had dealt with, now there was a clean vessel in which the Holy Spirit could come live. So the great mystery of the New Testament was Christ in me, the hope of glory. Sin fully dealt with, covered by the blood of Jesus, a vessel now clean and fit to be filled with the reality of heaven. That's a great mystery. I want to tell you, it was so significant that Jesus makes this statement. I think it's in Matthew 11, 11, but I don't know for sure. He says, of all the men ever born of a woman, there was none greater than John the Baptist. None. That's an impressive statement, that of all men born of women, there was never one greater than John the Baptist. But he said even that, John the Baptist, would not even be able to be the least in the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because of this great mystery. Because as faithful as John the Baptist was under the old covenant, it wasn't until the new covenant that anyone could receive the adoption of sons and live in this intimate relationship with God. And he's saying... Of all the great men ever born of women, John the Baptist, because he's born on this side of the cross, didn't have the capability to receive all that you and I have the capability to receive. I want to tell you, that's how significant the story is. John the Baptist doesn't have the ability to be even the least of us. I want to tell you, that's a mystery. Hard to even comprehend, hard to hold in our head. But I don't think if Jesus said it, I'm going to argue with him about it. Jesus in Matthew chapter 6 made this statement, on earth as it is in heaven. I want to tell you that is a mystery. That was my message last week, so I'm not going to re-preach it. But I want to tell you it was amazing for anyone to hear that the full capability of heaven was now coming to the earth. That the heart of God, the demonstration of his power, the the supernatural reality of this God that we love and serve was going to come to the earth. And Jesus lived for three and a half years, ministered here to let us see exactly what that looked like. And Jesus made the statement, I can only do what I see my father do, and I can only speak what I hear my father say. So we understand the key in all of what he learned to do was obedience. That is a great mystery. Again, Galatians 4, the adoption of sons. Jesus, I shared with you last week in this great mystery, the fact that Jesus had to be born alive. That Jesus couldn't be born like you and I. He couldn't have an earthly father because death was passed to us by our fathers. From the the minute that we are born, we begin this journey toward death because of what our fathers did. So Jesus, having an earthly mother but a heavenly father, was born alive out of necessity because you couldn't offer death as a payment for death. You had to offer life as a payment for death. So the only human ever born alive was Jesus Christ. Adam was made, breathed into him life. But born, Jesus is the only one born of woman who was ever born alive for the purpose of offering himself as a sacrifice for many so that our sin debt could be paid for. I want to tell you, that's a great mystery. And God is saying, I want you to get it. I don't want you to just hear it and hold it at a concept level, which is where most Christians hold truth. Never believing that that dynamic of that concept can actually be created and manifest on earth right now. 
on earth as it is in heaven. That one's shocking. That God's reality for us, is to, if we would ever believe these mysteries, is that he has the desire again today to do exactly what he did. The indwelling spirit, a great mystery. I could go on and on about what they are, but it's imperative again to just briefly discuss why we don't hear. That's what God asked me to share. When I ask him, what's the most important thing? Is that message is being heard, but on a practical level, most people, Christians, still don't hear God. And I want to talk to you briefly about two things. First of all, about why that is so. Why most Christians don't hear God. You know, I have to at least say, we have to at least understand from the scripture, from the heart of God, that there is an expectation for us to hear. Faith comes by hearing. Remember, it's a gerund. It's present tense, continuing. Faith comes because I can hear right now in this moment. And it's going to continue so that my faith isn't built on something blind. My faith is built on something I can hear and see specifically. And again, that's what Jesus said. I, I can only do what I see. And that word is in his mind's eye. I can only speak what I hear. So he was hearing and seeing on a regular basis so that he could be obedient to what he saw, obedient to what he heard, and watch the supernatural power of God be released. And the equation has never, ever changed. So what has caused us to stop hearing? He said it. My sheep hear my voice and I know them. John chapter 10, verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. The first reason that I wrote down that we have a hard time hearing the voice of God, hearing him, is we have never been told that he speaks, and for many we have been told that he intentionally doesn't. The teaching that I grew up with, and I grew up in this church, was that this word right here was the complete revelation of God. And after he spoke this, he just went silent. I don't debate you. I would never debate you on whether this is the full revelation of God or not. But I do understand something else. That every day when I sit in my office or I preach to you or minister to someone out on the street or in their home, it's only by God's voice that this truth becomes relevant in their life. You see, I can read this scripture to them, but I also need to be able to tell them. You know, you know I gave a couple of examples the other day. You know, for me to be sitting in, in my office... And I began to see this dining room table with a birthday cake on it. I'm seeing it's in my mind's eye. And there's a bay window in this house. It's kind of a house that looks like you would see in East Texas. This bay window comes out in the front and the dining room's there and there's a cake on it. And I asked this lady sitting across from me, what in the world am I seeing? And boy, the tears began to come and she said, it was an awful day, an awful day. She said, I baked that cake for my dad. When he came in, he grabbed the bat and began to beat my mother because she'd wasted the money. And he said, she said, I was just desperate to get between them and try to stop him from beating her to death. You see, God gives these things, making this word relevant so that, so that the power can be released in her story and watch her be set free from the bondage that all of that awfulness had created in her. You see, it's the Holy Spirit, it's the, God speaking that allows this stuff to become relevant, to be meaningful. And to, and to release real power and real truth. But I was taught that God didn't speak. So I grew up most of my life never even believing that I could hear anything. And I don't know if that's been your story or not. I hope it wasn't. My suspicion it was that many of you sitting in here 
we're taught the same thing. That at the end of Acts, God quit talking and he hadn't said anything since. And what a strange story that a father would quit talking to his children. That the father would have no desire to continue a conversation with his own children. The second thing I wrote down is we've never been taught how to hear. Even if we acknowledge that, yes, I know, but it's still hard to be able to teach someone how to hear. The third thing is we aren't listening simply because we are, we are very busy. The fourth, and this is one of the dynamic ones, the removal of the reality of the Holy Spirit in the intimate relationship we have with the Father. When we quit teaching many years ago in the early 60s about the indwelling Holy Spirit, when we quit talking about this relationship that the Holy Spirit brings when he comes to indwell us because he is the one who leads us into all truth. I want to tell you, when we close the doors to the Holy Spirit and ask him not to come in because he might misbehave, he may do something or say something that we didn't like. And so we ask the Holy Spirit in the early 60s in most churches to just leave us alone. And all of a sudden, those who could hear will, will absolutely be quiet because it is his voice that is speaking. And the last one that I wrote down here is our refusal to accept the Holy Spirit which actually forms those spiritual ears. So why can't we hear? We've never been taught that we should expect to hear. Many of us were taught that God doesn't speak anymore. Most of us were never taught how to hear, even if we believed that God would speak. We were never told how to listen. And sadly, in the greater conversation is that that one who forms the spiritual ears was asked to leave most churches. And so we've been trying to do this without an ability to hear. So for all these reasons, and there are dozens and dozens more, all the reasons that you think that we cannot hear or believe that we can't, I need to reassure you this morning very, very much that we can and we must hear the voice of God. It's not an option. It's not an optional part of the Christian life. We don't have the hearers and the not hearers. Every Christian in this relationship with Jesus Christ, in relationship with the Father, by the work of the Holy Spirit, was designed to hear the voice of God. We cannot be pleasing to Him until we can hear, because we'll never understand the mysteries that Jesus was talking about. And they're deep and they're profound. So I want to just talk for just a second about how we hear the voice of God. This is as close as I can come to teaching you the how part of this question. How do we hear? How do we understand what God is saying right now and in this moment? The first one, clearly established in Scripture, and and I guess somewhat amazed that we have even abandoned it, is that God speaks to us in dreams and in visions. In dreams and in visions. So put that in your radar at least, that one of the ways that God will communicate with me is in dreams. How did Paul know that he was supposed to go to Macedonia? He had a dream. And in this dream, someone has come to him and say, would you come and help us? Would you come? Because he was heading into Asia. And all of a sudden, here's this, this, in this dream, he sees this man from Macedonia. And the request made is, would you come and help us? And he announced to his men that next morning, we're not going where we thought we were going. We're making a turn. And they headed toward Macedonia. That came by a vision. Please remember that it is as relevant then as it is now. If he was going to speak in visions then, he will speak in visions now. Please don't dismiss them. 
Don't dismiss those dreams. And people ask me all the time, how do I know the difference between a dream that means something and a dream that doesn't? That's a great question because if you believed every dream had this connection with God, I would have my office full all the time. It's full enough with people who come with dreams that they know meant something. And again, I'm trying to teach this in as practical terms as I can. The way that I know that a dream is from God is that it will always have weight to it. It will always, you'll recognize it's carrying something larger and bigger and stronger than just the dream that I had about whatever. A dream that God gives will always have weight. You can feel the significance of it in the weight of the dream. But God has not abandoned speaking to us in dreams and visions. So what happens if we don't, if we're not taught that? We'll have a dream or a vision and immediately it gets dismissed as nothing more than a dream or something that we saw in our head. Second, in words of knowledge and in words of prophecy. It's not easy when someone comes to you and says, I have a word for you. We've been trying to guard ourselves from those kind of random statements. To guard ourselves when somebody comes claiming that this is a word of God for you. So we, our resistance, we know how to get our resistance up very quickly. When someone comes and says, I saw something prophetically that I need to speak to you, we know how to get defensive very quickly and get in the posture to protect ourselves from something that some crazy person is going to tell us. When we live that way, I want to assure you we miss some of the most dynamic truth that could ever be spoken because you will know the difference. If somebody speaks a word to you and it has no relevance, you will know that it was them. But if you stay open and you listen to people who come and say, I have a word of truth or a prophetic word for you, if you will live in this openness of God speaking, you will know the minute that they speak because it will, make a, it will come like an arrow straight into your heart every time when it's of God. But if we're going to live protecting ourselves from it, We'll never even give ourselves the opportunity to hear the word of truth, the word of knowledge, or the word of prophecy that God was sending from his heart to my heart. You will know the difference by that spirit that you have said yes to, because when they speak, it will resonate in you. It will create something in you that will, that will be very much a, tr- a word of truth. When you watch this happen, and you realize when God spoke something as a word of truth to somebody and they, and they speak it to you, it will be like they've been reading your mail. The way that it will become so relevant and so true in your life. So that's a second way. In, in knowledge, words of knowledge, words of truth, words of prophecy that are given to others that are expressed then to you. One of the more odd ones, and this is one that is more relevant to me, is he uses our body to physically cause us to know that he just spoke. So how does that look? He uses my body to send me this message that he just said something. I can be reading, I can be reading my Bible or I can be listening to someone preach and they may say one phrase and all of a sudden that one phrase or that one scripture leaves and it's no longer ink on paper. It leaves that book and becomes life. I mean, it just flies at me and becomes life. And my body gives me that sensation. I know it because of something he actually allowed me to feel when that difference was I'm reading words on paper and all of a sudden there's an anointing on a word. It leaves the page and it becomes life to me. That's always God. 
If you read with that expectation, I promise you it will happen. But when we read to gain knowledge so that we can hold more concepts in our head, it will not happen. This book was designed to engage us, to bring revelation to us, to create uniqueness with us because it is the word of God. But he will use my body to create the sensation to tell me, I just said something to you, pay attention. He will also use my soul, my mind and my emotions. When I hear something or I read something, he will stir something in me. I love the moment intellectually when I read something and all of a sudden it connects and I get it because I cannot wait till the Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night to come and tell you. When he does that, there is immediate urgency for me to get here and to teach you as quickly as I can that which he just showed me. He will appeal to my mind and he will appeal to my emotions and I'll know the second when he actually said something to me. The fifth one, and this is, there's actually two more. This is the big one. For me, this is the largest way that God speaks to me. And I've shared this with you many times, but this is the one I want us to pay most attention to. Because unless you're taught this, unless there becomes an awareness of this, this is the one that we most often miss. When I'm in my office, somebody's sitting there in front of me, I will say something like 37. And if you are like most, the fact that my voice just said that number will cause you to start processing that number. It may be, I wonder why he said that. Some of us, most of us, visually see the number 37. Not completely aware of it, but recognize looking back, yeah, that's exactly what happened. What actually happened in that moment was that I spoke with an audible voice and I planted something in your brain as a thought. Very random. You didn't expect me to say 37 unless you've been in my office before and that's probably exactly what you expected. But when I said that, I took you completely out of everything that we have been talking about, hearing the voice of God, everything else, and I dropped something brand new into this story and your mind would immediately go and start processing that number. An audible voice spoke it, and your brain received it as a thought and began to process it. I'll say this, but it's not going to come out exactly right. Well, me and God are exactly the same, except he speaks with a voice that we do not hear. He speaks in a voice that is not audible, but it still enters our brain as a thought, and it's totally random from everything else we were thinking. Larry's a farmer. Larry's sitting on the tractor. He's watching the implement. He's seeing what's going on. He's got something in front of him. And all of a sudden, here's this thought that comes from over here and hits his brain. Totally random. What do we generally do with those random thoughts? Dismiss them. I have learned never to dismiss the random thought. Never. You know, I've done this enough that I can actually even process that and say, no, Randy, that was actually right in line with what you were thinking. You came up with that. Most of the time, however, it is totally random. Totally, totally, totally random. Standing in the backyard and God says we need to give $100,000 to build the next orphanage in Kenya. I want to assure you that was not in my mind. I'm not standing there thinking, I wonder how we're going to build the next orphanage in Kenya. I'm picking up leaves or cutting grass or whatever I'm doing. I could, I could go stand in the tracks where I was when he said it. And my answer was, God, I don't know anybody that's got that $100,000. So he gave me a name just like that. You want to know where the $100,000 came from to build that orphanage? Ask God. He knows the name too. I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) 
And I want to tell you when this happens and we, and we quit dismissing the random thoughts, this great mystery of the Christian life will begin again. We will begin to live a version of the Christian life that we cannot even imagine. Because when we see or when we hear some random name comes to my, to my mind, some random thought comes to my head, I have come to the reality that that is God every single time. And if I mess up, then somebody just received an act of kindness or love or appreciation that came from me and didn't come to God, it'll still be an act of kindness. It won't create anything supernatural, but it's still okay because I've missed a few. I'm standing there at this Valor station, Valero station, whatever it is in, in Lubbock. And the lady's checking somebody out and I'm standing behind it. As I'm standing there behind, I see this vision begin to run in my head. So I step up to her and said, ma'am, I, I know this is strange, but I said, I just had a vision and I need to do something. I need to give you something. It's not generosity, it's obedience. I need to give you something. She, of course, you know what she's doing? She's kind of now back this far away from the counter. And I told her, I said, this happens from time to time. And she said, you have something that you need to give me. And I said, yes, ma'am. And I don't know why. I don't know what's going on in your life that you need this. And I tell you, I never carry money in my wallet. I don't even have my wallet this morning. I don't carry money in it. But that particular day, I had $100 in my wallet. And I took it out and I slid it across the counter. And I said, I don't know what your question has been. But, but from God, this is your answer. And she just begins to weep. I love those moments. I love watching God do what he does. I love watching him answer somebody's question. And I don't even know the question. I don't know what's going on. But when we wake up every morning, turning our spiritual radar on saying, God, I don't know what's going on. But I do know that I'm going to encounter people today that need the touch from you. And just show me. Let me do what you show me to do. And the great mystery of the Christian life is back. I cannot believe or imagine people living a boring Christian life. That somehow they have reduced this book to something that is boring. This is a book of life. It's filled with truth. It's filled with joy. It's filled with peace. It's filled with goodness. And the very dynamic of that book was designed to be created on earth as it is in heaven. In my heart and in yours to change the world. Somebody told us God doesn't speak anymore. If he doesn't, I'm in a world of trouble because I don't know what to preach. I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to, I can't do counseling anymore. If God doesn't speak and if he won't make it, this book relevant to me, I don't know what to do. I'm lost if he doesn't speak. But because he does, lives, my life, your lives are being changed because someone can hear the voice of God. I imagine many of you could stand right here this morning and say, yes, my life has been drastically changed because someone could hear the voice of God. Not in general terms, but in real powerful terms. A few weeks ago, I never did tell you the end of this story. Knew very well when Mac shared about the stuff that was going on in Kenya and the need in Jennifer and David's life to get home because of the surgery her daughter was going to have in Wisconsin. I spoke that to you out of obedience, told you, asking, you know, she would probably need at least $3,000 to make the trip back and forth. That moment, that morning, not out of generosity, but out of obedience of God speaking to you, that offering was just over $7,000. I want to tell you, that great mystery of the kingdom has never gone away if we'll have the spiritual ears to hear it and the willingness at that point 
to obey what we hear, to do what we see, and watch God do supernatural things again. He has never changed. Yesterday, today, and forever, He has never changed. He is still willing to release something supernatural on this earth because He said He was going to on earth as He is in heaven. He said, I pray that way. That is my word before my Father. He has not changed, but we don't often hear. And I want to tell you, everything that we've ever been taught about what good Christians should do and all the busyness that's created in the Christian life, I will promise you this. When you begin to hear, you're going to be busier than you've ever been before. Everything that you do, whether it's going to church, Bible studies, whatever it happens to be, your life will be dynamically changed because you'll be responding in obedience to the Father out of a relationship with Him. And instead of it being effort that we're trying to apply to become good as Christians, all of that stuff will become the evidence of the fact that I have this relationship with God. You'll be busier than you've ever been before. Every day producing fruit out of the kingdom. The difference will be you'll see the result. Eventually see the result and you'll realize there's no explanation for how this came out except God did it. We don't give good advice. We expose somebody's need to the power of God and let him do what advice could never do. I tell you, this, this is basic stuff. This is groundbreaking, plowing the ground kind of stuff where God begins to turn over in my mind and in my heart those things that are true. And I hope this morning, if you've ever been told that God doesn't speak, that out of this morning you will believe that he does. If you've never been told how he speaks, I hope this morning that you have a little bit better picture about how he speaks and that he wants to speak and he has a desire to have this conversation with me. And I hope that if you've never asked the Holy Spirit to come and indwell you, to create those spiritual ears, that that will occur in your life today. So that you, when he says, for those who have ears to hear, let them hear, you will know immediately that he's about to reveal truth that others may not get, but my ears will hear, my heart will receive, and my mind will understand, and it will change me and change the world around me. That's my prayer this morning. I'm going to ask at this time that we just stand and sing. I don't know what the God's going to do, but he does.